0: Hey everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. Merkel Media.
1: And so it goes behind like my daughter's door where it's at. And so I kind of lean back and I look and then I see it go back behind her bed and then up the back of the wall and then onto the ceiling, right? This thing looked like a spider, like a just a giant spider. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three
0: long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it
1: and then disappear.
0: When he came
1: over to me, Dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. With well, the giant moves. he's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move. Because I know I'm seeing a monster.
0: Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. Welcome to another members episode. We have episode 451 on deck and we have John coming on. And listen, guys, I'm just going to tell you, this is a great interview. I remember Hanging up with John, thinking, "Wow, that was a great conversation." And then I got a text from John the next day saying that he didn't want the interview to air, and I was like, "Oh no, why?" And he just—he was very self-conscious about what he talked about and the details and how it might affect his job. And so he was asking me not to air the interview. And we talked about it, and we settled on the idea that we would air it as a members-only exclusive. And he felt great about that. So this is a fantastic interview for you members that are about to listen. And I wish I could share with everybody, but per quest of John. It is a members only exclusive. So let's get to John right now. All right. Today we got John on the show. John, what's going on, brother? Not
1: much, buddy. How you doing,
0: man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we got done talking here, man. And, uh, well, the conversation that we just had, I think, uh, is a conversation that probably wouldn't be show, show suitable, I'm assuming. Yeah? What do you say?
1: I don't know. I mean, some people might like it.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people would like <laughs> it, right? But it's just not worth the headache for the 5% that would hate it, you I know? That, right? <laughs> I think that's the facts right there. There's 5% of people that would hate it, and they're going to be the way, way loudest. And, loudest and it's just like, uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> So we're going to stick on topic today, and uh, John, listen, man. Uh, shout out to you and the 13 years you served in the military. Uh, from what it seems like, your time in the service played a huge role in many different aspects as to how your life unfolded into the paranormal. And yeah. uh, so, if you could uh, start us off from uh, from the beginning here. And, uh, I, am I, assuming the beginning, meaning like you're serving the military and some of the things happened and all that stuff. So just kind of walk us into your stuff, man. And, uh, let's hear your, your experiences in your life here.
1: Cool, man. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, so I served for about 13 and a half years uh, in the army. Um, I was 11 Bravo infantry, nothing special, just kind of a grunt, you know? And, um, I, uh, when nine 11 happened, um, I remember I was, you know, at my house and my roommate. I was actually asleep. We had worked that night. I was in a restaurant. I was a bartender. And, um, and that morning he comes busting in my door, you know, and he was like, bro, he's like, get up. He was like, you got to see what just happened. He was like, a bomb went off or something, you know, one of the twin towers. And so I get up and I walk in the living room and we literally watched that second plane just plow into that building. man. And at that moment, I knew exactly what I needed to do. You know what I mean? So uh, that day I dropped everything I was doing. Uh, I went to a recruiter and joined, you know, and um, and and started my journey there with the army, um, you know, went through basic, did all that stuff, and um, I, I uh, my first unit was uh, first cavalry division out of Fort Hood, Texas, and we were supposed to be part of the original uh, initial invasion into Iraq in uh, two thousand three, but President Bush at the time had taken us um and deployed us to Washington D.C as part of this operation called operation noble Eagle. And basically what we were doing is, uh, the first cab had set up air defense sites around Washington, DC. And, um, our job was to guard those sites, like the missile sites and stuff like that. And basically like Avengers, it's these Humvees with, uh rocket launchers on them, you know, and they were all over Washington, DC. And so I guess the big, you know, worry was that it was going to happen again, you know, during his uh, state of the union, um, you know regardless of what people believe, you know, like these are all like real missions that were happening, you know what I mean, going around. And so um we uh we were guarding you know these different sites and stuff like that. And so that kind of kicked us back to 2004 deployment um where you know we were on hold because of Noble Eagle and he liked that so much the president decided to keep that going. And so we were there for about six months and then redeployed back to Fort Hood and then they sent us out to California um to uh um camera of that place. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Irwin, um, there's a big training center out there. So they sent us out there and we stayed out in the sandbox for like two months, like training to go to Iraq. And so, uh, you know, time came 2004 rolled in and we, um, uh, we convoyed into Iraq, uh, through Kuwait, which was bonkers, man. It was just crazy. It was a weird experience just getting into Iraq, you know? Um, but Things were pretty quiet when we first got there. I don't remember who the unit was uh, that we took over for. I feel like it was Third Infantry Division, but basically, you know, we're we're doing the, you do these things called left seat, right seat ride right, when you get in there, and when you're, you know, and basically what that is is the first couple of days you're just tagging along with them and they're showing you the different routes, the different cities, you know, wherever your sector is. And we had Abougrab um, was our first uh, was our first mission. And so, um, it was right around the time the whole Abu Ghraib scandal happened. Do you remember that? No. Like with the prisoners?
0: No, I don't remember that.
1: Yeah. It was, um, so a bunch of soldiers were like torturing prisoners and like making them do like weird stuff. Like, I don't know. You'd have to look it up. Like, um, I don't really, like, I don't remember exactly what all they were doing to him, but it was bad. Well, it kind of broke out. The the story broke out. And so Abu Ghraib was like an uproar. Like it was just a lot of weird stuff happening. And so, we're doing the left seat, right seat ride. And so basically we're just tagging along. And then a couple of days later we actually take over and we start running the missions while the unit who is leaving, you know, kind of takes a back seat and they just ride around with us to make sure that we're good to go. We understand what the mission is. Well, as soon as they pull out, you know, we go in with our vehicles and the Iraqis at the time, like they, you know, we were under surveillance basically. And as soon as they saw the designators on the vehicle switch, which, there's no unit insignia, it's just a set of numbers usually. And so when they saw those switch out, all hell broke loose. You know, we um got into uh our first ambush, like it was like fourth day in country, you know, first time I ever shot a weapon at somebody and it was just wild and it was like the wild west. And so for seven days we're just fighting like hell in Abu Ghraib. And um that was my first taste of combat. And so <clears throat> got a little got a little wild out there. And so we're out in Abu Ghraib for probably about a couple of months. And then they'd give us this um, new mission. It was route Irish. And so um, I think most people who went to Iraq know what route Irish is. It was like the most dangerous 14 Ks in the world in 2014. I mean, I'm um, 2000, uh, 2004, um, we had taken that route over and it was around September We were um, on a normal patrol and basically what our job was is we had like four checkpoints set up down that road. And our whole job was to drive as slow as we could and basically either absorb an ambush, IEDs, BB IEDs, or anything like that, just so we can keep the route open. Like that was our job. We were to eat all that stuff and then do all the fighting. So the route would stay open. It was one of the main supply routes between Biop and um, the, uh, which is Baghdad international airport and the green zone. Well, on September 18th, we were you know, riding along, and this convoy um, was coming up behind us. And so we heard it over the radio, so we pulled over to the left-hand side to let them go by us. And I think they were MPs. But well, we made it under the first checkpoint, and then we were hitting the second checkpoint, and that's kind of where everything went blank for me. I had heard, like I was a gunner on a, um, on a Humvee. And I had heard, you know, over the radio, hey, watch that car. And, like, that's the last thing that I remember. And so that car came off the overpass and ran into us, like, my vehicle and detonated. And so um just destroyed us. You know what I mean? Like, it um, knocked out the vehicle in front of us, completely destroyed our vehicle. And um, I remember waking up, like, I was, like, hanging inside the to the turret. And, um, I kind of looked over at my squad leader and I couldn't see his face. All I could see was just like the, you know, blood kind of coming down, but my driver was screaming, you know, the, the vehicle was on fire. And so I knew we had to get out of there. And so I kind of stood up and I grabbed him, my, my squad leader, and I pulled him up. And like, when I did, he like sucked in like breaths. I was like, thank God, you know what I mean? Like he, like he, you know, he was alive. That's all that mattered at the time. So I pulled him out. Got him on top of the vehicle, um, then pulled him down onto the ground and set him on the other side. And then my driver couldn't get out, so we had to pry open the door. And the whole time I'm looking, screaming for a medic, and they wouldn't approach us because one of the, you know, the Iraqi or you know, the insurgent SOPs was hit us with a VBI or you know, vehicle-borne improvised device, explosive device, or you know, roadside bomb, and then attack you, you know, ambush you basically. So they wouldn't roll up in the middle of it, waiting for an ambush. And, um, so, you know, we're out there and like I said, you know, it's basically all hell is broke loose around us. And so I keep screaming for a medic and, um, finally medic comes over and I already started triage on the two, me and my driver and my, my, uh, squad leader on the ground. And, uh, there was another guy in front of us, like, he had a sucking chest wound. It was, it was crazy looking. Um, but so I wasn't working on him though. So when the medic finally came over, like she looks at me <laughs> and like, she goes like white, like her face just goes, ghost white, you know? And, um, and I was like, what? And, uh, she goes, your forehead. And so, like, I reach up, dude, and I got this piece of metal. Well, it it was I didn't know it was metal at the time, like, sticking, like, out of my forehead, right? And so, um, I, like, almost passed out immediately. Like, so I'm running on adrenaline the whole time, you know what I mean? I reach up, and I touch this piece of metal, I get on my forehead. I was like, holy shit. And uh, so I about fall down, and she's like, no, no, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you know? So, um, at that point, like, I kind of lost control, because I didn't know this piece of metal's in my forehead. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it was weird. Um, So... I'm kneeled down on the ground over on the other side of the vehicle and these dudes pull up next to us, man. And like they're all, you know, they have these beards. And um there was a, a female in one of the uh one of the seats, which was kind of strange at the time, like um for combat, you know, it just there wasn't a lot of females during that time back then. And um, I don't know if they were CIA or if they were Blackwater, like well Blackwater at the time or who they were, but um we couldn't get any vehicles in or out of the area at that point because a second car bomb had went off on checkpoint three which all those guys were boots on ground. So because the traffic jam that caused our car bomb, uh, I mean, the our car bomb caused, they, um, they had to open up checkpoint three up top to start letting traffic go through. Well, the fifth car in was a car bomb and just detonated in the center, of all these soldiers there was like 15 on the ground. And um, so that like, it just like I was saying, like all hell was breaking loose everywhere, man. So the, um, these people, these, you know, and these civilians, uh, like I don't know, like Blackwater CIA, whatever they were like, um, we couldn't get through. So they're like, Hey, they loaded us up in the back of their vehicles and just took off with us. And so, um, we ended up going to the, um, to the green zone where the hospital was at and, you know, kind of unloading there for me, like it was a superficial wound. I actually, um, the, the metal head went in and then just went under my skin across my forehead. And so, um, like, you know, thank God. Um, I didn't thank God at the time. I didn't even know God then, but, um, you know, it was definitely a big save. And so, um, it was superficial. I did fracture my back and do some other things, but I didn't know that at the time either. Um, so, you know, we're in the hospital and the helicopters coming to pick us up. This is like three days later. And so I still had like three or four friends left, you know, and I had lost like two or three at that point, but, um, we had all made a pack, you know I mean? Like, I, like we're leaving out here together. We're just going to die together. That's just how it is, you know? And so I went upstairs, to my squad leader, I called him Diddy. And, um, did he like, he, he got jacked up and it like fractured his uh, skull, um, whatever hit him. We don't even know what hit him. Like whether it was a piece of the car or the vehicle itself that we were in the Humvee, but it fractured his skull, um, right across his right eye, fractured his nasal cavity. He had like third degree burns all over the top part of his body. And you know, he's a black dude. And so it like basically burnt like the pigment, like off of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, he was, he was in bad shape, but he was lucid, you know? And, um, yeah. This is kind of a funny story for me. I don't know if it'll be funny for you or listeners, but like, so we're in the hospital room and, uh, like Denny's eye is like swollen. Right. And so the nurse is like putting a bandage over this hunk of metal out of my forehead. And she looks at him and she says, don't blow your nose. And he was like, but I can't breathe. You know? And he, she said, do not blow your nose. And so as soon as she walks away, he was like, she don't know what the hell she's talking about. Right. So he grabs this thing. He goes to blow his nose in his eye. It didn't come out, but it was going like and blew up like a baseball. Right. And so I'm starting His, started his eye did? His <laughs> yes, eye? Yes, bro. Wow. And I, I was like, what the hell is wrong with your face? I was like, his eye. I was like, he blew his nose.
0: This was it. a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today.